0: Well, the first thing you really want to understand when building a demo is what you're trying to communicate to the prospect, right? And ultimately what kind of pain you're looking to solve, right? So a lot of times when people start to build demos, they focus primarily on the features, right? Uh, But a feature is something that's cool, uh, but ultimately if it doesn't really solve a business problem, that's really the biggest mistake we see when people are building demos.
1: Hey, everyone. George Soto here, and you're watching Demo Diaries. Today, I'm joined by Alex Valentine, who is Sales Engineering Director for the Americas and EMEA at Harness. How are you, Alex?
0: Doing great. How are you, Jorge?
1: I'm doing great. I can't complain. I spent uh, a week with my family in the Turks and Caicos, was working remotely because I was like, why not? You know, although the internet sucked a, li- a couple of times, so that was a bit frustrating, but otherwise, you know, not, not too bad. Are That's you? In
0: great. The- yeah. I mean, it's certainly uh, with COVID, there's a lot of negative consequences, but one of the positive aspects is, you know, with remote work, we can pretty much do our job from anywhere, which is fantastic.
1: Absolutely. Totally agree. I have a friend who's staying with me here at my place and he's from Hawaii and he's like, dude, I, I can just work from anywhere and this new world is pretty cool for him. But, uh, are, by the way, are you in the, the Northeast area?
0: Uh, yes, I'm actually okay. based out of Philadelphia, Philadelphia. So. That,
1: yeah. So we actually have a couple folks, uh, on our leadership team or management team that are based in Philly, uh, our CEO, uh, our, of me, our CEO uh, or co-CEO, Brian, and um, our VP of sales are in the Philly area. And a lot of great startups over there and uh, growth companies now. So it's good to see that ecosystem. By the way, if you don't mind just kind of telling folks a little bit about your career background and how'd you get into sales engineering?
0: Sure. So I actually started out as a developer, right? So as a Java developer, you know, pretty much almost 20 years ago at this point, And as a developer, I found a fascination with Linux and operations and things like that. So I actually shifted, especially at that time, developers were not really thought of as like thought leaders, really like it was something that you're kind of, you're gonna outsource development, right? Operations is kind of where all the influence was at, and Linux was becoming really popular. Um, So I made the shift to ops. And from that, I ended up uh, getting a job at a high-frequency trading firm in Philadelphia called SIG. Um, So a lot of fintech, you know, stuff going on in New York City and Philly. Um, And because of that, I found a specialty in sort of infrastructure automation and configuration management. And then one day I actually got a phone call from a recruiter because I specialized in a config management product called Opsware that was founded by Mark Andreessen of Netscape fame. And he called me and he asked me, have you ever heard of the field of sales engineering? And I was like, sales engineering, it sounds like an oxymoron. And sure enough, like he, he told me about it. I'm like, oh, that's the person that sold me Opsware, right? Like that's their job. and It's kind of like a little secret in the industry, but that's ultimately what led me down the path of sales engineering. So I started out my career at BMC Software, uh, which is pretty well known in the industry. Lots of CROs come from BMC. And what I saw at BMC was a lot of my great sales reps were leaving and they're going to a company called Mm AppDynamics. And so that's kind of my next uh, career stop was at App Dynamics, and the founder of App Dynamics started my current company Harness. So, um, and, and that's where I'm at today. Started out as an IC, and now I'm a leader of a region.
1: Awesome. Well, if you think about where you would go to like produce a demo, and uh, you know, actually get it done, like, where do you generally go to do that, and like, who do you interface, and like, what's the, typically the process?
0: Well, the first thing you really want to understand when building a demo is what you're trying to communicate to the prospect, right? And ultimately what kind of pain you're looking to solve, right? So a lot of times when people start to build demos, they focus primarily on the features, right? Uh, but a feature is something that's cool, uh, but ultimately if it doesn't really solve a business problem, that's really the biggest mistake we see when people are building demos. So what i try to do when building any sort of demo is you want to obviously tie that functionality back to an individual benefit for the prospect that ultimately ties to value with that industry right because there are lots of cool features and you know certainly lots of things i can show but if i can't tie to a business problem no one's actually going to invest in our solution so ultimately it's a framework of feature benefit value and, and Pretty much all of our demos are tied to that framework.
1: And who are you typically interfacing with to kind of determine what that value is? Is that typically like product marketing or the sales team or customer success or maybe all of the above?
0: It's all the above. Uh, We have the pleasure here at Harness of our chief marketing officer, Steve Burton he's actually a former developer. He's very technical. Uh, he knows the space. He knows our buyer. Because um, Historically for me, a lot of the marketing people I've worked with are useless, right? Uh, they don't really understand our buyer. They focus on rebranding and PowerPoint decks, but Steve is really good at knowing our audience and ultimately everything that we do from a marketing perspective, whether it's, you know, the swag, the decks, And ultimately, the business messaging uh, resonates with our customers. So that's really important.
1: That reminds me a little bit about um, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Mark Roberge, who was early at HubSpot. And he was actually an engineer who they hired to build out the revenue team, right? And and so he was the first sales hire there, sales leader hire. And so that's so interesting because I sort of felt the same way about marketing around sales, right? Because I've Mm -hmm. always been in the sales role and I'd have to interface with these marketers who, you know, I I hate to complain, but would be sending over garbage on a consistent basis. And And it really just was so clear that they didn't understand like what a sales qualified opportunity was or sales in general. And so to have a um, head of marketing who is a former engineer, I think is really cool. That's another thing that we've actually been able to do here is follow sort of a similar model where our head of sales right now Paul Vidal is in former SE uh, from Cloudera so like he's never actually ran a sales team he's run SE teams and so you know we we wanted we made a decision to like have our head of sales be essentially a user so he was actually at uh, at Cloudera looking at the product um, and then transitioned over so that's really cool you know speaking of like going from an AE to a manager, What are some tips that you would give folks who are maybe, you know, sort of maybe a couple years into into the career as an SE, but are looking now to go into a management role? I know from a sales perspective, like the top salespeople are not always top sales managers. And in fact, it's sort of like skews the other way where they're not typically the best managers and, and just overall because of a variety of reasons. So what tips would you give folks um, who kind of want to aspire to be leaders?
0: Well, certainly in terms of sales engineering leadership, it's, um, you got to be in it for the right reasons, right? If you're looking for like a lot of money, right? That's probably not a good idea. Like you're certainly first line leaders in sales engineering. Uh, You know, it's a little bit of a bump, right? But you got to really look at the long-term growth and why you want to do it, right? So for me, it's all about, Really, I love building teams Um, and the stage at which Harness is at right now, we can build a fantastic team. We can hire great SEs and the product is still developing. The platform is still developing. So there's a lot of influence we can have as a team, Um, but you really gotta be looking at why do you wanna do it? And like to give an example, right? I've heard people say like, hey, I'm getting older, Uh, You know, I'm not getting any younger. Like I kind of want to look at management. Like that's an awful reason. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, I'm getting older. So I'm going to be a manager now, right? That's just like, (laughs) um, so you have to have the right reasons and and the right mindset. And then also just like selling a solution, you need to have champions, right? Mm -hmm. And those champions need to exist both among your peers, but then also sales leadership, right? If you can't identify people that say, I want, uh, you know, Alex to be an SE leader, I want him to be my partner, uh, then that's a problem, right? So building champions, just like you do in any sales cycle is important,
1: especially Mm
0: -hmm. as you're making the case for being a leader. And then do an honest assessment of your strengths and weaknesses. Like for me, transitioning to leadership, I had to look and realize that like, hey, from an organizational standpoint, I need to improve. From a documentation standpoint, I need to improve. From a political landscape, I need to build partners in other functions in the organization, right? Where historically, I was like someone that, you know, maybe the people in my region knew me or maybe the salespeople overall knew me. But if you ask someone in CS or marketing who this guy was that just closed some big deal, they'd be like, I don't know. He's over in Philly, right? So Having that exposure and building multiple champions across different, uh, you know, organizational units is critical.
1: Alex, I gotta ask because we're in this new world now, where you know most of us are remote, and I don't think it's going to go back to pre-COVID. Just because there's a lot of efficiencies and quality of life uh, benefits of this new remote world, how do you actually start to develop or strengthen these relationships? when maybe you don't see each other in person too often.
0: It's interesting because historically for sales, especially field sales, it's all about being on site. You build champions by being on site. You build champions by taking people out to restaurants and bars or to the ball game. Right? So like this new world of fully digital interaction to close the deal, it's, you know, it's a change, but it's also something I've done before with other teams. Right, So I've actually closed a million dollar deal like a couple years ago. We never met the person in person. Right? Awesome. It was completely virtual. And that's highly unusual. Um, but as we move to more virtual interactions, you gotta look for ways to build champions, whether it's text messages and harness what we do in terms of collaboration, since we're not gonna be sitting on site for a day or two and showing you the software and walking the halls what we do is we actually build Slack panels for every one of our POVs. And we use that as a point for digital collaboration. And what we find is, especially with the DevOps audience that we're aligning to, they're, they're associated with Slack already, and that's how they collaborate internally. So if you're a vendor and you're on Slack, and they're getting a notification on their phone from you as you're discussing uh, a topic, suddenly you become not just a vendor, you're a partner. Right. You're, you're, you're part of the natural ecosystem. So finding ways like that. And then also from like a marketing perspective, finding ways to get new prospects, whether it's tastings or guest speakers, uh, beer events, wine events, uh, whatever it might be. That's critical as well, because um, you're correct. Like the world will never be the same. I mean, it will get back to some form of normalcy, but the, there will be a new nor- normal that will come out of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And that's one of the things that we're doing. So, as you were discussing the Slack channels, I was like, yes, 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 that's, we've seen that that's helped. Develop these, you know, stronger relationships, and actually provide a better customer experience as well. Does it mean that they will write you a Slack message at midnight and uh, and want you to respond in, you know, in a short period of time? You know, yeah, it does at times, right? But I think the benefit of the of that uh, strategy far outweighs the, uh, the the downside. You know, let's go back to the demo here a little bit, like. You know, as a sales leader in the past, I've had problems or I should say challenges getting my SDRs uh, or reps following the top track and the training that we provided, you know, from a, you know, SE perspective, how do you make sure that your SEs are telling the right stories? They're giving the right demos. Uh, Because I know I I hear that now, especially now with all the technologies available, you know, there's not just like what one demo that you would apply or one size fits all kind of demo, right? It's creating customized experiences based on stage and company size tier, those sort of things. So what are you doing to make sure that, you know, reps are following the, the process they were trained. uh, And then also like, I know you do have a free trial. Does that change the way that you sort of interact with the prospects given that they, you know, they've been in the product? How much? I don't know. You know, some people have insights around that. Some don't, but uh, what's kind of your take on it?
0: So we have three different sales motions at Harness. One is pure freemium, right? You go on the website, you try it out, you want to buy it. The second is guided trial where it's kind of a lightweight POV, where maybe it's a freemium interaction, you wanna do some test cases, maybe it's a smaller audience, maybe that will lead to a proof of value, right? And a proof of value is sort of the highest usage of SE resources, of sales resources. Um, And that, in a proof of value, it could be anywhere from five to 20, plus hours, certainly in banking, proof of values can be extensive, right? If you're selling to a large bank, it's not unusual to have a, you know, a three month evaluation for enterprise software, maybe not, you know, Harness, but certainly other products I've sold in the past.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So it's really critical in terms of demos to be customized, right? And the way you customize a demo is based on discovery. So the framework we're using at Harness is demo blocks. So the idea is you have five minute micro demos Mm -hmm. for each of the capabilities. Um, Ultimately, it ties back to the feature um, benefit value framework for each one of those. So if I get on the phone with an economic buyer that's more concerned about compliance, PCI, uh, maybe regulatory audit, et cetera, I'm gonna have a different talk track than say talking to a startup that's obsessed about velocity. Um, So it's really important that you have a persona-based demo. And then in terms of governing the sales teams and the sales engineering teams, uh, and making sure people are executing flawlessly, uh, we're actually using Gong to record all of our interactions that are remote, right? So, and there's many other tools out there, right, um, that you can do this with. Um, but all of our meetings are recorded, and it makes it really useful, especially when interacting with product, to be able to take snippets of those meetings, uh, use cases, et cetera, and show them directly from the customer's words what they'd like in an ideal state. So um, there's a lot of tools out there that can enable sort of collaboration. And we use that also for um, educating and onboarding new SEs and, and new sellers as
1: well. Got it. Yeah. We, we use Chorus here and, you know, it, it, I just, I, I would use Gong and and I know there's Exec Vision as well. It's such a great, great tool to, to, or, or I should say like, you know, piece of the, the stock in your toolkit to Uh, to be able to use and and then go back and and use it for coaching. If, if you were to think about some of the stages that you've been uh, that you use to align uh, like the, the sales cycle with, or the demo performance or demo stage with, um, are you customizing those, those like fields, those like lead, or I should say opportunity stage fields inside the CRM?
0: Yes. Yeah, so we customize the stages. We're also the whole, you know, opportunity from the moment we discover, you know, an opportunity to the point where it closes, right? Each one of those stages is aligned not only from a POV process, but we're making sure that we have, like, competitive information, that we're, you know, identifying champions, that we're working actually to also, I mean, most enterprise software companies have some ROI analysis they're doing historically, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was called a uh, process audit was the term. And then people realized that like, oh, audit is a really negative word, right? (laughs) Hey, I'd like to do a process audit. Like audit does not sound good, right? So it kind of changed to a business value assessment. Um, And at Harness, we use an analysis called a CDCA, right? So basically continuous delivery capabilities assessment, where we try and align like metrics and ultimately, you know, current state and future state with harness and those required capabilities. Um, We document that along the way, as well, um, as part of the process, because that's something, the sooner you can identify, uh, you know, measurable uh, metrics for their future state, the easier it's going to be ultimately, and and the quicker it will be to sell your software.
1: Awesome, Alex. Thank you so much for that. If you were to give one tip to SEs or SE managers around coaching their uh, team around improving their demo today, like something super actionable that they don't have to get approval on and whatnot to start to deploy or test, what would that tip be?
0: Ultimately, I think the biggest thing SEs and SE leaders can do to improve demos is to tie demos back to value right? At the end of the day, most demos I see are very feature function focused, right? So ultimately having your demos that are tailored on the pain of the customer and what value that will bring to the business is critical. Um, I think that's the number one thing. And tell a story, right? A lot of times I see people run demos. uh, it, It doesn't matter if it's uh, you know, a enterprise software or even something that's consumer focused—they don't tell a story. They're—they're mm. they're not, you know, illustrating a point of view that resonates with the customer. So um, that's another aspect I would say as well.
1: Awesome, Alex. Thank you so much. I, I hear the dog. I have a dog here. That I put him on the on the uh, porch, and he's a puppy. He's about four months old, and he was uh, yelling a little while ago. I went on mute. Uh, I love dogs so much. But uh, oh yeah, know dogs dog a are hug great, for me.
0: and uh, especially uh, you know being in the home office. It's great to have uh, you know furry companions and. Uh, keeps us
1: company absolutely if uh, folks want to connect with you on social media or follow you learn more about your you know let's say the content or any roles that you might have on your team uh what are some good channels or urls to reach you
0: sure so i'm on twitter alex valentine at alex valentine uh same for linkedin as well so definitely reach out and uh, happy to tell more about
1: harness awesome well have a great great afternoon thanks so much for being on the show Appreciate
0: it. Thank you, Jorge.
1: Take care.